Welcome to Doing a World of Good, a podcast from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and generously supported by Raj and Kumla Gupta, shining the light on the positive works of our members and supporters. I'm your host, Bob Norp. Clearly, one of the most important fronts in the war against the coronavirus pandemic is the search for and delivery of medicines to combat it. And much of our hope for some kind of return to normalcy is pinned on the efforts of individuals working in the pharmaceutical industry to uncover treatment options and develop a vaccine, all while keeping supply lines for existing life-saving medications open. So in this, the first of our special series of episodes dealing with the novel coronavirus, we wanted to bring to you one of the leaders in the pharmaceutical industry's response to COVID-19. Joining us is Craig Kennedy, the Global Head of Transformation and Supply Chain Management for Merck, known as MSD outside the United States and Canada. Craig serves on Merck's COVID crisis management team and is directly involved in their pandemic response. Craig, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for the chance to, uh, to be here with your members. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Now, first, let me say thank you for taking valuable time away from what is, I'm sure, a bruising schedule right now. And before we discuss the challenges in these efforts, give me a little background about yourself, because as I understand it, you've been instrumental during your tenure there in improving Merck's ability to deliver, to deliver medications to patients faster and more efficiently. Tell me a little bit about your work with the company. Thanks, Bob. So I've been with Merck as an employee for about 22, nearly 23 years now. Um, and what might be a disappointment to, to some of your members is that I'm not actually a chemical engineer. I am, <laughs> in fact, a, yes, I'm in fact a computer scientist and pure mathematician. They uh, get along. Degree. They get along famously with computer people. It's okay. <laughs> right. That's right. So yeah, I know a few good chemical engineers. Uh, but I I started uh, working at Merck back in the '90s, actually in um, in um, planning and scheduling environments and in uh, systems deployment for supply chain management. And actually, with the help of some really good chemical engineer friends. Um, received informal training in in um, manufacturing production and actually worked my way through um, a series of, of appointments, as they say, in a resume to a point where um, I took on production roles and at one point was running um, one of the largest uh, chemical and, and um, vaccine manufacturing facilities that Merck had, uh, followed by other production roles. Um, then, uh, about seven years ago, I was asked to take over the, the head of supply chain management for the company, um, with the goal being to transform our efforts, uh, to be, uh, able to, you know, get more close, uh, in terms of supply chains to our patients and our customers and more efficient in the way that we do that, bringing my experience both in manufacturing, but also in, in computers and computer science as well. That is a massive undertaking. <laughs> I mean, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, uh, tell, uh, let's expand on that a little bit more because um, when you're talking about a global operation such as the one you work for, um, that's, uh, that's a massive thing to reimagine the entire supply chain process and to apply technology to solve problems. Yeah. So if you look at um, the evolving nature of businesses like ours, you'll see that um, as we transitioned through the 90s and 2000s, 
<clears throat> you're getting um, you know more therapies which are are biologic in nature, more therapies which are um, requiring you know specialties, uh, not necessarily in terms of just chemical engineering, but also in terms of um, their way in which they are um, infused into a patient or the way in which they have to be applied in a clinic. And so what we've been trying to do is transition away from, you know, very large scale facilities um, in um, in centralized locations to an environment where we can perform value chain engineering and bring um, the product much, much closer to the patient, particularly at the point where it's customized. Um, and also change the mechanisms by which it may be delivered um, around the world. Part of that change also has been the fact that a lot more of our products now have become cold chain in nature. And so you have to extend the, um, the way in which you take care of those products uh, to be a much tighter temperature range from much further distances from much larger populations. And so the application of technologies in terms of passive and active temperature monitoring, in terms of the conditions of storage, the geolocation of it, um, and the um, way in which you can guarantee that when it gets to the patient, it hasn't been tampered with it becoming increasingly important. So you're seeing us use um, blockchain technology as a track and trace mechanism, uh, noise signature vibration as a means to determine whether or not a specific product was produced on you know, a Merck asset, uh, you're seeing us use real-time uh, temperature, humidity, tamper evidence, tracking and tracing, smart containers that allow us to, to know where they are at any point in time and to call for help if they need help. Um, and you know, more recently also um, as response to um, both disaster environments and also as a preparedness for being able to deliver in, in difficult environments, um, fully autonomous, out of line of sight, cold chain drone delivery uh, so that we can take things um, like our vaccines and our biologics and deliver them in environments where the infrastructure is, is poor or has been de devastated as well. You know, that brings up another question because I know you can't speak about your current efforts specifically at the company because of regulatory reasons, but how have these technologies and process improvements to your supply chain over the last two decades better positioned Merck for dealing with the current challenge? Um, you talked a lot about temperature control being centralized in terms of like having that technology to monitor it. You talk about drone delivery. Um, what else are you put, have you put in play that, are, that better positions Merck to deal with the current crisis? Yeah, so let me just start with even um, the application of those tools, which I just mentioned. So if you look at what happened, uh, and I'll just focus on the US, but more broadly across the world, over the past couple of months between March and, and April, one of the things that occurred was that the global transportation environment just completely changed. Um, many uh, people don't recognize, and certainly many governments don't recognize that you know, a large part of the world's freight travels in actual passenger planes. And so when you implement travel bans, just as an example, and those passenger routes all of a sudden dry up, you lose up to a third, sometimes up to a half, depending on the lane of transportation, 
of the actual freight capacity available. Now, when you're trying to move um, cold chain supply chains around the world, you have no freight, you have no freight capacity. And so you're forced into using different methods of transportation, different lanes, different routes, freighters, charters in some cases, in order to get your product to where it needs to be. In almost all cases, our products are um, highly valuable in nature. In some cases, they're scarce and rare. And so you rely on those technologies to ensure the integrity of those products through lanes of transportation and modes of delivery that are not typical and that you really don't necessarily have the same experience you, you with that you would normally have in, in regular commerce. And so the applications of just our real-time technology and tracking in those cases have helped us to actually maintain improved service rates for delivery of all our medicines and vaccines than we would have during regular times. Really? That's that's fascinating. What, what other technologies have been put in place that are giving you that kind of efficiency? Because that, that's really amazing that you can keep the supply lines open with such a major uh, part of the puzzle of terms of transportation being taken out of the out of the picture. So one of the other unfortunate things that happens in times like this as well is that you see an increased frequency of counterfeit activity, an increased frequency of um, illegal activity taking advantage of people who may uh, need their medicines much more um, and, and have much more difficulty getting them than regular times. Mm. And so in some parts of the world, what we have deployed and we're using over the past couple of months is um, some very specific blockchain technology, which, you know, for your members probably know, blockchains are just uh, decentralized immutable databases um, that allow us to actually store an individual identifier for each of the specific units that we track and give the actual patient or the consumer the opportunity using their smartphone to be able to inquire against that blockchain in real time and determine whether or not that that product is likely a valid and genuine product, uh, which is something that we've been able to use to great effect in some parts of the world over the past couple of, uh, past couple of months as well. Um, so that's just another example of some of the technologies that, that uh, we have been using more recently to help us out. Uh, in times where uh, where we didn't expect to have to bring them. Now, you, you are part of the COVID response team at Merck. Um, how has what has essentially become a global quarantine impacted you and your management of such far-flung team members and resources? And how are you working to resolve these issues? Because that's that's got to be a massive weight on you at this moment, trying to deal with all these different factors in flux right now, and especially considering that your team members are so distributed. Um, has all the work that you did have done prior, has it set you up for dealing with this as well? That's a really good question, Bob. And I would say um, there's two really important points that from a Merck or MST perspective. Number one, we were both fortunate and unfortunate that several years ago, we were the victim of a very significant cyber event, mm. um, which is in the public domain. Um, and during that cyber event, um, while we managed it extremely effectively, um, we recognized that we needed a better crisis management structure um, once we came out of the damage of that event. 
And we spent your know, very significant time deploying a very rigorous, well-studied crisis management structure that encompasses the entire organization and actually is built just for circumstances like this. So I think the company as a whole has had a very, very positive and nearly seamless response to this particular crisis. And that is reflected not only in the continuity of supply of our products to um, our patients, but also in the fact that we haven't lost um, any um, patient in a clinical trial study um, to uh, not be able to get their, their clinical trial doses that they need. We've been able to continue to maintain those clinical trials, and we've been able to continue um, the course of our operational business as well. That is with well over half of our workforce working from home at this point in time. With respect to the supply chain team, quite honestly, this is what we do on a regular basis. Our supply chain team is by nature distributed and therefore, they are used to working in the manner that we are working right now. Now, it's a little bit more difficult because um, in many of our physical manufacturing facilities, we've reduced the presence down to less than half or what we consider only the essential people on site at any particular point in time for the very specific reason of protecting the employee and reducing the likelihood of community spread of the virus in those facilities or the communities that they serve. Um, so we've been able to maintain in a fairly continuous manner because of the fact that we had the practice, number one, and we, act, we actually acted early. We um, reduced staff in our facilities way before the actual uh, governments around the world actually closed down the, the specific geographies in the way that they did as a preparatory manner, uh, measure, I should say, for, for making sure we didn't spread the virus. Um, what's been interesting about that, however, is that you find even in those circumstances that you actually can achieve work in a much more efficient manner than what you typically would even in the works, workplace. And of course, the reason is, is time is of the essence. It's valuable. It is being competed for by our families at home, by other priorities at work at the same time. And therefore, um, the efficiency actually has gotten higher rather than lower in that environment. It's obvious that you've got a lot of balls in the air. I mean, there's so many different parts of the supply chain that you have to deal with on any given day. Um, everything from import-export restrictions to increased demand for specific drugs like you were mentioning to key chemical agents and making them available in the development process to the ever-present product hoarding by um, consumers who are afraid of not being able to get the drugs or medicines that they need. Uh, tell us, um, how do you manage so many balls in the air at once? What is your personal philosophy for dealing with it? And how do you keep your process flowing even in the, under a tough situation like what we're currently experiencing? So I think, you know, I'm very fortunate just to have a great team of people who I work with. And um, my personal philosophy around um well, any circumstance, but particularly circumstances like this, is to provide really clear principles of operation for people, rules that say, here's what we are trying to achieve, and then really, really work to make sure that the people who are actually making those things occur have the resources available to them to actually do their job. 
And you mentioned a lot of different things which are all fair and up in the air. Right now, we're also dealing with significant additional demands. And, and I'm sure, you know, many of your members will have, have seen stories about personal protective equipment, uh, PPE, masks, um, reagents, as you mentioned, etc. Many of those things are in absolute short supply and are still required to conduct regular manufacturing operations as well as to protect employees in this specific circumstance. And so our teams around the world are not only dealing with the regular demands of the supply chain under stress, but are also now sourcing brand new items that are necessary for our employees, both in the manufacturing environment and also in the non-manufacturing environment. And very importantly, wherever we possibly can to give back to the communities around us. We sourced um, non-sterile surgical masks very early in this process, actually towards the beginning of the year, specifically because we were responding to the infection and the outbreak in China, where our sales representatives um, were required to have masks in order to just move from one province to another. Um, what that allowed us to do was be in a position when the infection hit um, the New York and New Jersey area in particular, to be able to do donate 800,000 of those surgical masks to people in need and jog, uh, to um, organizations in need right when they needed it as well. And so, you know, while I can certainly take some pride in, in having the ability to have those decisions made early, the people in my team, the people in, people in Merck and MSD teams all around the globe are the ones who actually executed on that and made it happen. And it's just a very proud uh, circumstance for me to be associated with those people. Well, I, I do want to pay mention to the fact that this show is specifically related to the contributions of chemical engineers to the betterment of the world. And uh, you brought up a lot about process, uh, which is near and dear to the heart of every chemical engineer. How are you specifically leveraging your chemical engineering teams in resolving challenges and improving processes, both at the company as a whole and in the current situation? So really good, really good question. And you know, one of the great things about coming to and working with Merck MST is that um, you, you just have to turn your head and you're going to find a chemical engineer either by degree or by function somewhere around <laughs> you. Um, and, you know, of course, we can make many jokes about the pluses and minuses of that. But what I'd say, you know, very clearly is the following. Number one, on a functional basis where it's their specific um, role to, you know, act uh, on the skills of a chemical engineer um, you can be absolutely guaranteed that um, our chemical engineering, uh, as well as our other engineering colleagues, are focused on um, on how do we do a couple of things. Number one, support any possible scale up, scale out, or testing of what might be a COVID-19 um, treatment, either in the form of a therapeutic or in the longer run in the form of a vaccine. And, you know, a significant portion of Merck MSD's resources being directed towards that effort right now. And your chemical engineers, as well as the other scientific staff, are deep in the middle of that. Secondly, where we're partnering with other companies and the industry is now partnering much more so than it ever has in its history, you find chemical engineers right at the middle of, can you optimize an existing commercial process in a way 
that if it had to be used for billions of people, that it could be much more efficient than what it normally would have to be for the regular demand that that molecule might face. And then number three, most importantly, and it, uh, it, given that many of my friends are chemical engineers, it pains me to say it because it's a compliment, but chemical engineers in general are trained in a manner of thinking which is, and operate in a manner of execution which is very systematic in nature, mm. very problem-oriented, very solution-oriented, and given the freedom to just bring their training to bear, I have dozens of examples, even in the past two months, where chemical engineers um, have been able to propose solutions to problems that otherwise would have taken us months and months and months if we would have gotten there at all. And so the use of the problem-solving skill set that the chemical engineer brings to bear, both in terms of their discipline, but more important in terms of the way they think about problem-solving, is absolutely invaluable. Uh, and you know, chemical engineers are responsible for many more problem solutions than just their domain expertise as well. And, and so, you know, proud to be associated with people who have chemical engineering in their blood. Well, that's great to hear. Um, let me uh, just kind of wrap things up here. Where can our listeners go to find out more about your efforts and just stay in touch with the latest news about Merck's progress in this current fight? So um, you can find Merck at um, Merck.com in the U.S. or MST.com outside the U.S. Um, and in addition, uh, you can find, if you search for Merck on, on any of the social media channels, um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, you can find your ongoing news feeds uh, about Merck and our efforts all the time. Uh, on Instagram, I recommend at Merck I'm Inspired, which is a very good way for uh, people to um, to really see, you know, some of the really good things that Merck and MSD employees are doing right now. So I would, would direct uh, any of your listeners to those channels all the time. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for spending time with us today. I know you've been really busy and uh, we really appreciate hearing from you. I really appreciate the opportunity just to, to tell a little bit of our story, and, and thanks very much. And I hope everybody who is listening um, continues to take their, care of their families and themselves and that uh, has a bit of optimism for the future too, because I certainly do. Well, you take care of you and your family as well. Our guest today has been Craig Kennedy, Global Head of Transformation and Supply Chain Management for Merck. For more details about the topics we discussed or to find out more about the Doing a World of Good campaign, visit doingaworldofgood.org. And that does it for this episode of Doing a World of Good. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, search for us on your favorite podcast directory or visit doingaworldofgood.org. On behalf of everyone at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, I'm Bob Norp. Thanks for listening. Thank you.